going through the writing of author Rituparna Ri Choudhury, uh, who has been named as uh, one of a Google scholars. So to get the author to be introduced, that it is uh, her own word, that what's off in a name. Everything it is uh, depending on my work, my creativity, people will going to judge me. So nothing been on my name. However, I uh, went through the writing of the work, The Duckling Thrush, the way the Google Scholar had researched it on her book Illusion versus Reality based on Bravery. I'm going through it. So now it depends the way you like it or not or whether your feedback, whatever. But it's for my since I do like it. So I am just going through it. The duckling thrush on the aspect of that it appears to her as a sense reflected on the topic. <laughs> she had begun with the quoted line that is my own meaning when I would be very fine but the fact is that I have nothing planned unless it were to be a moment merry a novel word in my vocabulary. She begins, This hardy had de-romanticized nature, taking even the capacity for renewal. Romantics such as William Wordsworth often depicted nature as awe-inspiring in the process of the natural world. Though he has meditated on the nature of life, he has found no life in nature. Even the thrush, the harbinger of hope, is aged and on its last song. By using the exhausted landscape as a symbolic projection of the speaker's own life, Hardy makes a bleak comment on the potential of human nature as well. She quoted, Oh, lift me as a wave. I live a cloud, I fall upon the thorns of life, I bleed. The speaker of the duckling thrush is a typical hardy character, a watcher, a thinker, one who projects onto the physical world his own emotional turmoil. The speaker leaning on a cake looks at the darkening countryside the landscape around him is gloomy and barren. He finds the setting sun as a weakening eye and the land like a grey coast. Paradoxically, the world revolves around the speaker, yet also seems to ignore him. This intense inwardness is seen in how the speaker characterizes other people. It is not just some people are some families that are lost, but all mankind that has retreated from nature's threatening landscape and fought their household fire. 
The speaker is all alone in the wintry frosty night on a barren landscape with no hope of getting any warmth. We passed amid the pines that stood the giants of the west, tortured by storms to shifts as rude with stems like serpents interlaced. The poem presents an image of desolation. Even the song of joy, illimited, does not relieve the poet's depression. There is no transformation from the mood of death into joy of optimism. So the contrast of the thrush song serves to heighten the poet's despair. The cause of the old century never gives way to the birth of the new. Thus the poem speaks of a bleak future. The speaker is so engrossed in his thoughts of hopelessness that even the joyful song of the thrush does not herald any hope for the future in the new century. I leant upon a coppice gate when frost was spectre grey and winter breaks may desolate the weakening eye of day. The thrush, the symbol of hope, is depicted as a pitiful creature in danger of being overpowered by the elements. The situation is reflected in the words blast beruffled that emphasize the power of the wind and the puny status of the thrush. The thrush chooses to fling his soul upon the growing gloom. Fling is a verb that seems to hint at a careless, hopeless action as if the thrush was seeking in vain to represent the forces of hope. The uncertainty is picked up in the final line of the poem. Dear the speaker reflects that even if the thrush does know of some reason for hope, he is unaware of any such reason to hope for a bright future. At once a voice arose among the bleak twigs overhead in a full-hearted even song of joy illimited. The word darkling has a history in poetry. The word goes back to the mid-50th century. Milton in Paradise Lost Book 3 described the nightingale, the wakeful bird, sings darkling and in shadiest covered heat gives her nocturnal note. Kids used the word in his Ode to Nightingale. Darkling, I listen. Matthew Arnold in Dover Beach wrote about the darkling plains. Similarly, there is a tradition of poems about birds like Kids, Ode to a Nightingale, Shell is to a Skylark, and a number of poems by Wordsworth. In the last stanza, the poet uh, reveals his lack of faith. There is so little cause of caroling, he asserts. The bird's ecstatic sound is not founded in reason or faith. For a moment, perhaps, there is a note of hope. He could think there was some hope for the frosty world, but he cannot sustain his belief. In the end, the speaker has no hope. He only observes with a touch of irony that the thrush seems to have hope. The thrush sings a song of evening rather than morning. 
The song of the thrush symbolizes the speaker's fervent spirit, but the thrush himself is aged, frail, gaunt, and small. It does not symbolize new life but clings to the dying old century. Even after hearing thrush full-hearted given song of joy illimited, the speaker's depression is lifted only as far as a state of puzzlement. He comes into the new century unable to think about any reason that can make the thrush a representative of nature with a hope. Break, break, break on thy cold grey tongues, O sage, and I would that my tongue could utter my thoughts that arise in me. The word darkling corresponds to two meanings in the poem, in the dark and obscure. In the title of the poem, Hardy appears to have consciously used words with a long poetic history. The word darkling means darkness, means in darkness or becoming dark. The speaker in the poem is able to see the landscape, but the sun is wakening, not completely set. The landscape that appears to him is barren and grey like a ghost. The day is ending and the sun is setting, making the twilight desolate. For the speaker, the century that has passed is now a corpse outlet. The sense of loss is everywhere, even in the procreative powers of nature itself. The ancient pulse of German birth, which is now shrunken, hard and dry. There is just a sense of gloom that generalizes everything. For him, the world is going from bad to worse and the century's passing is merely a way to keep time of misery's march. If the bird is in the dark, singing at night and singing into soul, into the growing gloom, it appears to be singing for obscure reasons. Whatever prompts the bird's song is not evident to the poet. The illimited joy of the song and blessed hope it signifies appears to be a small compensation for the pain men and women endure and have endured through the century. If the bird sings while humanity confronts the desolation of its existence, the thrush joy can only be heard as an ironic comment on the humanity's joyless state. The song of the bird at night, though full of joy and hope, does not bring any hope for the future and is as obscure as night. Thus, the duckling thrush is an apt title for the poem. The duckling thrush was written by Thomas Hardy in 1899. Originally titled by the Century's Deathbed 1900, it was published on 29 December 1900 in the graphic of weekly newspaper. In the new poem, in this poem, the poet describes his feelings and also the feelings of an entire nation, passing of a century and the transition between the Victorian era, 1837 to 1901, and the modern era. 
The Victorian era was marked by intense and rapid change in polity, society and religious beliefs due to the developments in science and technology. This changes created a feeling of hopelessness and a bleak future in the poet's mind which is reflected in the poem. Hardy was disillusioned with the ways in which industrialization was changing human beings and their relation to the environment. During the Victorian era, technologies such as the railways, electricity, steam engines and suspension bridges reshaped the working lives of millions of British. Many of them flocked to cities to work in factories and live in row houses. The agricultural depression of 1870s further depleted the number of remaining farmers. By the turn of the century, more than 80% of Britain's population lived in cities. Due to these developments, people wanted to believe that their lives have purpose and that the future will be better for them. However, all of the evidence during Hardy's time belies any hope for a bright future. The words, for example, the Boer War of 1899 to 1902, which the British Empire reached all over the world in the name of civilizing ignorant peoples, as well as degrading living conditions of the working class, toiling in poverty in industrialization cities was depressing. These urban laborers were now not only cut off from any relationship to the land, but also cut off from the products of their work. Technological progress and scientific knowledge had not brought enlightenment to the masses. On the contrary, they brought more misery and pain. Hardy's hopelessness was rooted in his lament for the now abundant forms of the countryside and for the loss of rural customs and traditions. What I aspired to be and was not confronts comforts me. The second stanza extends this distance to include time as well as space. The landscape seems to represent the corpse of the century that is ending or dying. Thus the very pulse of creation is dead and nature is at a standstill. There is no hope for the next spring to come. Behold, we know not anything. I can but trust that good shall fall. At last far off, at last to all, and every winter change to spring. In the first two stanzas of the poem, the world appears to be physically dead. There is little to see in the spectre grey landscape. The eye of day is weak. Winter's dregs offer little to satisfy the human need of warmth. Heaviness characterized the sense of touch as suggested by Hardy's use of lame to describe the speaker's physical posture in the scene. Finally, there is no sound at all. The image of tangled vine strains, stains, resembling strings of broken lyres, vividly conveys the utter silence of the scene. So little cause for carolings of such ecstatic sounds was written on terrestrial things of afar or nine around. The poet feels himself as an isolated man. He has lost his connection with the 19th century 
and has no hope for the coming 20th century. Hardly like the people of his era witnessed the challenges posed by the growth of Charles Darwin's evolutionary theory and the new social and scientific ideas. Years for the simpler, truer world and seek to recapture something that is lost. But the old century's date and outlook for the new century's blip. The ancient parts of German birth were shrunken, hard and dry, and every spirit upon earth seemed powerless as I. In the last stanza, nature has represented by the singing thrush displays a sudden vigor. Here too, nature is senseless in as much as a song does not arise from anything perceived in terrestrial things. That is, a song is not inspired by anything in the immediate scene or anything that the poet might understand as a reason for the song. The frailty of the bird itself gaunt and small with black giraffe's plumage also prevents any song to lie before us like a land of dreams. Thus, the entire poem has portrayed a bleak picture of nature and the gloom is emphasized far more than the joy. Thank you. Hello, I am going through the writing of author Rituparna Ri Choudhury, uh, who has been named as uh, one of a Google scholars. So, to get the author to be introduced, that it is uh, her own word that what's off in a name, everything it is uh, depending on my work, my creativity, people will going to judge me. So, nothing been on my name. However, I uh, went through the writing of the work, The Duckling Thrush, the way the Google Scholar had researched it on her book, Illusion versus reality based on reverie. I am going through it. So now it depends the way you like it or not, or whether your feedback, whatever. But it's for my, since I do like it, so I am just going through it. The duckling thrush, on the aspect of that it appears to her as a sense reflected on the topic. <clears throat> she had begun with the quoted lines that is my own meaning when I would be very fine but the fact is that I have nothing planned unless it were to be a moment merry a novel word in my vocabulary. 
she begins this hardy had de-romanticized nature taking even the capacity for renewal romantics such as william wordsworth often depicted nature as awe-inspiring in the process of the natural world though he has meditated on the nature of life he has found no life in nature even the thrush the harbinger of hope is aged and on its last song by using the exhausted landscape as a symbolic projection of the speaker's own life hardy makes a bleak comment on the potential of human nature as well she quoted oh lift me as a wave or lift a cloud i fall upon the thorns of life i bleed the speaker of the darkling thrush is a typical hardy character a watcher a thinker one who projects onto the physical world his own emotional turmoil the speaker leaning on a gate looks at the darkening countryside the landscape around him is a gloomy and barren he finds the setting sun as a weakening eye and the land like a gray ghost paradoxically the world revolves around the speaker yet also seems to ignore him this intense inwardness is seen in how the speaker characterizes other people it is not just some people or some families that are lost but all mankind that has retreated from nature's threatening landscape and sought their household fires the speaker is all alone in the wintry frosty night on a barren landscape with no hope of getting any warmth we passed amid the pines that stood the giants of the west tortured by storms to shapes as rude with stems like serpents interlaced the poem presents an image of desolation even the song of joy illimited does not relieve the poet's depression there is no transformation from the mood of death into joy of optimism so the contrast of the thrush song serves to heighten the poet's despair the curse of the old century never gives way to the birth of the new thus the poem speaks of a bleak future the speaker is so engrossed in his thoughts of hopelessness that even the joyful song of the thrush does not herald any hope for the future in the new century i leant upon a coppice gate when frost was specter gray and winter breaks may desolate the weakening eye of day the thrush the symbol of hope is depicted as a pitiful creature in danger of being overpowered by the elements the situation is reflected in the words blast be ruffled that emphasize the power of the wind and the puny status of the thrush the thrush chooses to fling his soul upon the growing gloom fling is a verb 
that seems to hint at a careless hopeless action as if the thrush was seeking in vain to represent the forces of hope. The uncertainty is picked up in the final line of the poem. There the speaker reflects that even if the thrush does know of some reason for hope, he is unaware of any such reason to hope for a bright future. At once a voice arose among the bleak twigs overhead in a full-hearted even song of joy illimited. The word darkling has a history in poetry. The word goes back to the mid-50th century. Milton in Paradise Lost Book 3 described the nightingale, the wakeful bird, sings darkling and in shadiest covered heat tunes her nocturnal note. Kids used the word in his Ode to Nightingale, Darkling I Listen, Matthew Arnold in Dover Beach wrote about the Darkling Plain. Similarly, there is a tradition of poems about birds like Kids, Ode to a Nightingale, Shelley's to a Skylark and a number of poems by Wordsworth. In the last stanza, the poet uh, reveals his lack of faith. There is so little cause of carolings, he asserts. The bird's ecstatic sound is not founded in reason or faith. For a moment, perhaps, there is a note of hope. He could think there was some hope for the frosty world, but he cannot sustain his belief. In the end, the speaker has no hope. He only observes with a touch of irony that the thrush seems to have hope. The thrush sings a song of evening rather than morning. The song of the thrush symbolizes the speaker's fervorless spirit, but the thrush himself is aged, frail, gaunt, and small. It does not symbolize new life, but clings to the dying old century. Even after hearing thrush full-hearted even song of joy illimited, the speaker's depression is lifted only as far as a state of puzzlement. He comes into the new century unable to think about any reason that can make the thrush a representative of nature with a hope. Break, break, break on thy cold grey stones, O say, and I would that my tongue could utter my thoughts that arise in me. The word darkling corresponds to two meanings in the poem, in the dark and obscure. In the title of the poem, Hardy appears to have consciously used words with a long poetic history. The word darkling means darkness, means in darkness or becoming dark. The speaker in the poem is able to see the landscape, but the sun is wakening, not completely set. The landscape that appears to him is barren and grey like a ghost. The day is ending and the sun is setting, making the twilight desolate. For the speaker, 
the century that has passed is now a corpse outland the sense of loss is everywhere even in the procreative powers of nature itself the ancient pulse of german birth which is now shrunk and hard and dry there is just a sense of gloom that generalizes everything for him the world is going from bad to worse and the century's passing is merely a way to keep time of misery's march if the bird is in the dark singing at night and flinging into soul into the growing gloom it appears to be singing for obscure reasons whatever prompts the bird's song is not evident to the poet the illimited joy of the song and blessed hope it signifies appears to be a small compensation for the pain men and women endure and have endured through the century if the bird sings while humanity confronts the desolation of its existence the thrush joy can only be heard as an ironic comment on the humanity's joyless state the song of the bird at night though full of joy and hope does not bring any hope for the future and is as obscure as night thus the duckling thrush is an apt title for the poem The Duckling Thrush was written by Thomas Hardy in 1899 originally titled by the Century's Deathbed 1900 it was published on 29th December 1900 in the graphics of weekly newspaper in the new poem in this poem the poet describes his feelings and also the feelings of an entire nation passing of a century and the transition between the Victorian era 1837 to 1901 and the modern era the victorian era was marked by intense and rapid change in polity society and religious beliefs due to the developments in science and technology these changes created a feeling of hopelessness and a bleak future in the poet's mind which is reflected in the poem Hardy was disillusioned with the ways in which industrialization was changing human beings and their relation to the environment. During the Victorian era, technologies such as the railways, electricity, steam engines and suspension bridges reshaped the working lives of millions of British. Many of them flocked to cities to work in factories and live in row houses. The agricultural depression of 1870s further depleted the number of remaining farmers. By the turn of the century more than 80% of Britain's population lived in cities. Due to these developments people wanted to believe that their lives have purpose and that the future will be better for them. However, all of the evidence during Hardy's time belies any hope for a bright future. The verse, for example, the Boer War of 1899 to 1902, which the British Empire waged all over the world in the name of civilizing ignorant people, as well as degrading living conditions of the working class, toiling in poverty in industrialization cities, was depressing. These urban laborers were now not only cut off from any relationship to the land, but also cut off from the products of their work. 
technological progress and scientific knowledge had not brought enlightenment to the masses on the contrary they brought more misery and pain hardy's hopelessness was rooted in his lament for the now abandoned farms of the countryside and for the loss of rural customs and traditions what i aspired to be and was not confronts comforts me the second stanza extends this death sense to include time as well as space the landscape seems to represent the corpse of the century that is ending or dying thus the very pulse of creation is dead and nature is at a standstill there is no hope for the next spring to come behold we know not anything i can but trust that good shall fall at last far off at last to all and every winter change to spring in the first two stanzas of the poem the world appears to be physically dead there is little to see in the specter gray landscape the eye of day is weak winter's drags offer little to satisfy the human need of warmth heaviness characterized the sense of touch suggested by hardy's use of lean to describe the speaker's physical posture in the scene finally there is no sound at all the image of tangled vine strings stems resembling strings of broken lyres vividly conveys the utter silence of the scene so little cause for carolings of such ecstatic sound was written on terrestrial things of afar or nigh around the poet feels himself to, as an isolated man he has lost his connection with the 19th century and has no hopes for the coming 20th century hardy like the people of his era witnessed the challenges posed by the growth of charles darwin's evolutionary theory and the new social and scientific ideas Here's for the simpler truer world and seeks to recapture something that is lost but the old century is dead and outlook for the new century is bleak the ancient pulse of german birth was shrunk and hard and dry and every spirit upon earth seemed fervorless as i in the last stanza nature has represented by the singing thrush displays a sudden vigor here too nature is senseless in as much as a song does not arise from anything perceived in terrestrial things that is that song is not inspired by anything in the immediate scene or anything that the poet might understand as a reason for the song the frailty of the bird itself gaunt and small with blast beruffled plumage also prevents any song to lie before us like a land of dreams thus the entire poem has a portrait a bleak picture of nature and the gloom is emphasized far more than the joy thank you